Welcome back to the Voice of Benchmark, the ESG management podcast. In this episode, we'll be building off our previous discussion on waste management that focused on the current program challenges and compliance considerations organizations must face. Expanding on the subject, we will explore the digital tools available to monitor, track, and report on waste streams and how they can help you overcome your obstacles to drive ESG and compliance initiatives. We are happy to be joined again by the Benchmark team of waste experts, Doug Martin, Senior Vice President of Services, Brett Vonnewegen, Senior Leader of Subscriber Services, and Mitch Holderman, Customer Relationship and Product Manager of Subscriber Services and Delivery. Doug, Brett, and Mitch, welcome back. We're excited to continue the conversation on waste management. In our last session, we ended our discussion by talking about waste reduction strategies for sustainability and ESG improvements. To kick things off for session two, can we quickly review some of those strategies and why they are significant? Sure, I can start that off. So there were three main points that we left off on, one being good documentation and having that in place. Needing to understand the waste that you're shipping, including the profile details. Then from there, we can look at chemical engineering analysis of that waste and deciding whether disposal method A is better or not than disposal method B. And lastly, chemical substitution and replacing some of those bad chemicals with a bad chemical, with a better chemical, excuse me, in a product. But on the flip side, we'll also have to look at if that chemical change will affect the integrity and be just as effective as that chemical that isn't as safe. I've also seen from actual waste management or waste tracker deployments where after you get two to three years of solid data into the system based on good documentation of your profiles and a solid understanding of where those shipments were going, that companies are able to utilize our waste disposal report to start trending uh, data based on disposal method. By doing that, they were able to analyze what was going to a landfill, and we actually had more than one company identify that they were shipping, um, this was a couple years ago, mind you, non-renewable resources directly to a landfill. That was horrible for them. These are things that they can't replace that they're shipping to a landfill. So they were able to immediately work with their R&D group in order to figure out how do we get those scrap metals, in this case, out of the trash cans, for lack of a better term, from going to the landfill, and how do we save those and build a process or a program either internally or with one of our suppliers to remold that uh, metal into something that can be reusable. So that's one way that they were able to talk about a waste reduction strategy. Not only are they replacing it from going to a landfill, but now they're also taking advantage of that that non-renewable resource, even in its scrap form. So pretty, pretty impressive that through use of one of our reports, they were able to identify this. The other area that we've seen is from a sustainability perspective, folks are going in and they are setting true waste reduction targets. So they might have a zero landfill goal. Well, how do you identify that on a month to month basis or a a reduction on a year to year basis? So they can set waste reduction goals in our solutions. And then on a monthly or quarterly basis, depending on how they report their sustainability data, it's gonna show up and allow them more real time uh, response to how their waste reduction um, programs are going on a site by site basis. Excellent. Thanks, Doug. And I think that, you know, maybe the, the take home point there is that there are there are lots of opportunities to use some of the 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 core waste management functionalities in a digital solution and also use that to trigger uh, tracking and trending and, and uh, you know, um, targeting towards sustainability goals where those Absolutely. two areas come together. Yeah. 
Absolutely, Brent. It all started from good documentation and that, that initial deployment data gathering exercise to get it into a common solution because those companies were using multiple waste disposal vendors. So it integrated everything into Waste Tracker for them. You got it. Excellent. So continuing along the, the theme of pushing toward ESG compliance and excellence, um, there are many policies that are helping drive a higher emphasis on environmental programs and, and environmental compliance, as well as internal um, initiatives and company policies and procedures to that same goal. What are some of the programs that companies can get involved in? Sure. One major certification a lot of customers or a lot of uh, EHS folks out there have is that ISO 14001 certification, looking at the environmental side of things. Um, I know a lot of EHS folks also have ISO 45001, which is going to be looking at the health and safety side of things. But looking at the ISO 14001, um, also going above and beyond with the voluntary protection program. So it's a little bit more stricter than the ISO certification. Um, so that's definitely another thing that you can utilize. Um, it looks really good um, at being a VPP, a VPP site. Um, also, as well as you know, just doing your weekly waste inspections, also looking at your internal company audits and making sure that you're completing these audits so that anytime you have an external um, entity coming in that you're on top of it and then also you know utilizing the digital management and data tracking yeah a lot of these are data collection monsters here as you look at them um, the good news is there are digital solutions to help manage that uh, looking at the benchmark solutions we've had some folks deploy our framework solution in order to help manage some of the 14001 processes um, or even other ISO protocols. <clears throat> it allows them to go through and break the policy, the standard, down into yes, no, compliant, non-compliant questions to really get a, a good footprint at the beginning of the year on how they're doing and then drive a follow-up uh, audit either on their own or from a corporate mandate um, later in the year to showcase what type of improvement they've made from driving closure on those corrective actions. Similarly, looking at that waste inspection, we've got an integration between our waste tracking solution and our inspection tool to where you can link up that weekly uh, waste site or waste uh, storage area inspection directly into the inspection tool. That way you've got that, that bi-directional or that, that tool integration to make things a little bit easier. Excellent, thanks, Doug. Um, and when it comes to continuity and uh, you know a uh, facility's ability to maintain compliance and conformance with ISO standards, their VPP status, et cetera, what are some of the biggest gaps we see in those areas that that really provide a, a hurdle for folks to try to uh, maintain and retain their compliance and their status? Sure. So you know, missing documentation is huge, and I've seen that you know from previous jobs that you know can be costly if you're missing manifests and accompanying documentation such as you know LDRs, and you know has waste inspection checklists. That's also just going to open up the door for an auditor to come in and see. Okay, since you're missing some of this documentation, what else are you missing or hiding from us that we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this? It really compounds itself to the first time an auditor finds something, it might be a $10,000 fine, but if they find multiple issues, it can uh, increase by a factor of 10 to 100 real quick. So that one little fine, seemingly small fine for having something either not well documented or mislabeled can really wind up in, in fines in the millions of dollars real quick. 
Sure, you know, when I was out in the field, I would see sometimes a hazardous waste uh, drum being labeled with a universal waste label, or you would see a completely wrong label on a drum that should, you know, not be that label. So definitely uh, mislabeling is also a huge uh, gap that I've seen in the past. Um, I've also seen, you know, the accumulation start dates being overdue. So of course you're going to be out of compliance. And then also, you know, just not knowing how much waste is generated at, you know, each month. You know, you're running the risk of changing your generator status and reporting requirements for that matter. You know, a customer wouldn't realize how much waste is being shipped each month. You know, and it's cutting it close to that generator status change. And so you may have to even submit a biennial waste report um, if you're going over, you know, that small quantity generator status to a large quantity generator status. And that piece right there is something that we actually implemented into Waste Tracker at some point, uh, I think it was early 2021, where a couple of our customers, well, customers historically had been very large quantity generators uh, by and large, and then they had some that were um, small quantity generators, but they were still using the system because their, their company adopted our solution. Uh, the company that I'm thinking of here had a lot of very small quantity generators, and they needed to understand how much waste was being generated on site every month, as well as what was being shipped out so that they could maintain their very small quantity generator status. Or in some cases, if it did trigger that small quantity generator, they needed to know at that point in time so that they could report differently through the rest of the year. So definitely something that was critical for that, that customer, but also for a number of other deployments of Waste Tracker that we've seen. The other piece that I've seen in here, uh, Brett, was this was data mining we were doing a couple of years ago for one of our <clears throat> large multinational companies. We were finding that even though environmental incidents or fines were about 5% to 10% compared to the count of health and safety fines, the actual dollar amount was something like 100 to 200% higher which was just astounding when you looked at the data and you tried to consolidate and you said we had something like 75 health and safety issues in this large corporation. We had something like 10 environmental, but we were paying millions of dollars for this environmental issue, but we were only paying tens of thousands of dollars for all of those health and safety ones combined. So the environmental, the impact of the environmental fines, the inspection processes and the um, audits really has a direct impact to your company's bottom line. Yeah, that, that's an excellent consideration, Doug. To you know, in, you know the the environmental um, incident hit rate and the way that those those incidents are are weighted from a from a cost and uh, fine compliance perspective is um, you know something that you know companies should consider as they start to align a digital solution to help them manage it. And when they look at uh, how they try to pair their solutions to their need and their overall risk profile, uh, it shouldn't be something that gets overlooked. Exactly. So understanding that 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 can be a significant risk, uh, what sort of advice could you offer to a site or to an organization to help overcome those conformance gaps beyond just, you know, uh, obtaining, you know, VPP status or trying to reach an ISO uh, compliance standard? Sure, I can start. So, you know, just it's simple, but, you know, a lot of people don't do this is, you know, just being organized and having an environmental management system in place. You know, there's still so many businesses out there that are just very disorganized with waste everywhere and containers are in bad shape. The waste is, you know, not labeled properly and, you know, it can be expensive 
disposing of hazardous waste. However, you know, it's going to be more costly uh, if you're hit with that fine, if an auditor comes and sees all of these uh, irregularities. Um, you know, also I would say uh, some advice is, you know, just performing that, you know, internal audits, making sure you're doing your due diligence when it comes to, you know, EHNS regulations, as well as properly training your employees. I've seen many employees at business, businesses not even know that they generate waste or they just go ahead and jump their hazardous waste in waste areas unexpectedly for that waste manager to find it later and have to figure out what it is and where it came from. If possible, you know, make an effort to standardize SOPs and forms, documents across all of your sites, making sure all of your sites are following the same or similar reporting processes that helps each site be compliant. I think there's another aspect of that as well, Mitch. You were saying that unexpectedly they were tossing their has waste into a, a standard um, waste containers. I think the other piece is if you're unsure, hire a consulting company to come and do an audit of your facility. They're going to come in with an open, fresh set of eyes and help you understand what you may or may not be doing right or wrong so that you can figure out what is a game plan to become fully compliant and to make sure that you don't knowingly do these things following that, that type of an inspection or audit. That's something that a number of our customers are looking for at a very basic perspective when they're looking at mergers and acquisitions. They want to make sure that the company that they're looking to either buy, to integrate, to supply from has good, solid environmental health and safety standards. And even if you don't have a full environmental team, reaching out to one of our uh, consulting groups can allow you to have a good understanding of what your environmental impact is and then to work on a game plan with them on how do you become compliant? Because Keeping good documentation sounds easy, but it's also very complicated as well. Um, trying to maintain an annual review of your waste profiles if you don't have a deep staff or a deep understanding is challenging. But there are groups that specialize in that um, that can really help you get through those those tougher times. And each and professionals have a busy day as it is, so this is only going to save them time. Absolutely. So now that we've defined several of the challenges and in some of the, the overall um, processes or improvements that we can recommend to sites to help them um, yeah, improve their, their status and their waste management uh, processes and, and, and management systems, what are some of the tools or features that Benchmark ESG can offer our customers to address the digital management needs uh, around waste management and, and, and the associated sustainability targets? Sure, I'll, I'll jump into this one first, Mitch, and I'll let you uh, clarify where maybe I uh, overly simplify things. I think the important first step here, Brett, is bringing visibility and transparency across the entire company. It's not just that a single site is going to be your waste producer. It's not just that a, in a lot of cases, um, it's not just that a, a site here or there should be using it, but companies get the most adoption when they, they come to us and they talk about how do we apply a standard across all of our facilities from those very small quantity generators all the way through to our large quantity generators. And doing that as a standard in a system definitely helps you elevate that visibility and the importance of good documentation and consistent updating. Doing that also provides you with that turnkey um, real-time information that you can easily integrate into your sustainability reports on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis. 
to do all of this, we've got a number of solutions across the benchmark suite that can really help you out. Obviously, we talked a lot about Waste Tracker the past two episodes. That really is the first starting point because that helps you get organized with centralized profiles and manifests, container management, your biennial reporting, container statuses, vendor management, you name it. But Waste Tracker isn't the only tool that really plays into waste management. We touched a little bit earlier on our framework solution, which is where you can drive your company-wide EHS policy or it can be something where you deploy an ISO standard as part of your, your drives towards success. We've also got our Reg Auditor solution, which allows you to license content from a content provider to understand your, your uh, federal, your state, or even local um, regulatory expectations for management. So that's another system that is built to help you understand how to audit your facility and stay in compliance. And all of this ends up tying into what we do in our action tracking system, which is there to help you identify any corrective actions and showcase improvement. Um, Mitch, I think here's where I'll, I'll pull you back into this. From an auditing perspective, if an inspector comes on site and they identify an issue, if you can say, oh, absolutely, yeah, we, we caught that three weeks ago on this inspection, here's what we're doing to resolve that. They're going to be open to a lesser fine in a lot of cases to an open conversation about you being able to showcase movement on an issue instead of coming across as kind of shocked that there was a finding in the issue or in the area that they found. Yeah, absolutely. And I know with our applications too, we do we can give the auditors access to setting up them with an account, correct? Within it, Reg it Auditor. It depends on the type of auditor <laughs> there, Mitch. <laughs> I think we've we've um, you can definitely integrate uh, people into our system based on user accounts. Um, depending on the type of auditor, if it's a federal state inspector, you may or may not want to give them direct access to the system, but instead print information out to, to hand to them, talk to them about the digital system that you're using, benchmark powered by Gen, Gen Suite or that next generation of Gen Suite. Or if it's a third-party consulting group that you've hired to do your inspection or audit, absolutely you can give them access. It just depends on who's, who's coming in with the information and the, the, the questions for you. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Voice of Benchmark podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode.